All right. Well, um, as always, great to be uh, worshiping the Lord uh, together. If you have a Bible with you and you haven't already turned there, let me encourage you now to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. All year long, when we haven't been working through the Gospel of John, we've been in a sermon series uh, focused on our theme of the year uh, called Behold. And we've been uh, fixated on this idea that what we behold is what we become. Some of you have a sticker that says that actually. It's on your water bottle or whatever. What we behold is what we become. In other words, uh, the more that we see Christ, the more that we understand who he is, the more that we comprehend what Jesus has done, if our lives are set, fixed on those truths, then we will become more like him. Amen? And so with that today, uh, we've been looking at who God is by working through some of the promises of God. And today's promise is a good one. It's that God gives us rest. God gives us rest. I think that's appropriate for the season that we're about to enter in as a gathering. We serve a God who gives us rest. You know, in general, uh, we are a very tired people, a very tired people. I don't think I have to do much convincing of that. I was about to throw a bunch of statistics and articles or whatever, and I have them here, but then I looked at your faces. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that's why I never go off my notes. That's not in my notes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are a tired people. Um, and this is why, by the way, our culture uh, spends so much money in the world of tiredness, right? trying to help us through this life. It's why coffee is such a big business, for example, right? Because so many of us are living our lives physically tired. We are physically tired, weary. And so certainly, that's a problem that needs to be addressed. And there, you can YouTube, you know, how to get more rest, and you can listen to podcasts, and all these people and scientists have told you how to get rest, and we should address this issue. But, but like most things in life, our physical problems are almost always just a reflection of a bigger spiritual problem. You see, here's the reality for us today. If you and I aren't at spiritual rest, we can actually never experience physical rest. And so with that, I just want to start by saying some good news. Just start by some good news. Here it is. Rest, you need to know this, rest is not only possible today, but it's available. It's not only possible, it's available. And more than that, it is promised if you know Jesus. And what do we even mean by rest? Because I think we all have a different like, perception of that in terms of the world. You know, what does it mean by rest? Well, in a basic sense, we know rest is just ceasing from action. It's a cease from activity. It's stopping what you're doing, right? And, and so applying that to the gospel, applying that to Christians, um, biblical rest simply means that there is no more striving. There's no more self-effort. There's no more trying to please God by our works. Positionally, rest literally means to lie down. And, and with Jesus, we can actually do that spiritually, if you will, knowing our right standing before the Lord. Rest also means to be at peace. It means to be free from whatever disturbs you, 
free from whatever creates worry in your mind. It means to be quiet, or I think a better phrase, uh, rest means to be still. It, It means to be free from any guilt, free from any worry over sin, knowing that those of us who are in Jesus possess perfect peace with God. Rest also means having a sense of confidence, actually. It's a confident assurance. It means understanding that you are secure in the truth that God loves you, that that God cares for you, and that he, the Lord, is actually over your life. He's in charge of your life. Being at rest with God means that we can lean on him for support, that we can go to him anytime for help, that we can depend on him for strength. And I love this, um, though it's really, really hard to fully grasp. But, but the spiritual rest we're talking about today is actually the exact same rest that God himself enjoys. So think about this. God is busy, right? He's busy. He is active. He is at work always. He never stops working. But nevertheless... The question to ask ourselves is, is God ever anxious? Is he ever worried? Is God ever concerned? And yet he doesn't rest or take breaks the way that you and I think of it. Never. Right? God is never, he's never worried, never anxious. God is never sitting on his throne. Like imagine this with his head, like in his hands, like you and I do. Right? Worrying about how things are going to turn out. Like, oh, oh man. Like, I really hope my plans that I've set for before the foundation of the earth come to pass. Right? Or more recently, God's up there like, oh my goodness, what, what are we going to do? Now people have chat GTP to go to for answers. Right? They no longer have to ask me. Right? They can go, just go to chat GTP. Right? What am I going to do? Right? Come on, never, right? God is never worried. He's never concerned, ever. He is at perfect peace. His position and state of being is always perfect rest. He is always satisfied. And and get this now, get this. This, this rest that God himself enjoys is what God has for you and I. This is the rest that is promised to you here and now. In fact, if you belong to Jesus, if you are in Christ today, you should actually be experiencing this rest. So so this is what rest is all about and what we mean by rest as we work through the scriptures and specifically our scripture today in Hebrews chapter four. Rest is this multifaceted, full blessed, satisfying position and posture of our hearts. God's rests. Only God can offer it, but this is exactly what he offers to give you and I today. All right? So today's about rest. Let's jump into Hebrews 4 now. And what I want to do to try to hopefully simplify rest for us is simply consider four aspects or four kind of questions around rest. The first being the availability of rest. That's where we're going to begin. The availability of rest. Um, I've already told you uh, that we can have this rest, but let's not take my word for it. That's not a good thing to do. 
right? Let's look at the scriptures and what they say about rest. Verse 1 of Hebrews 4 again says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Now, um, we don't have the time today to go into all the context here because Hebrews is one of those books that just builds upon itself. Right, to really fully grasp what he's saying, you got to go back to Hebrews 1, Hebrews 2, especially Hebrews 3, and then go into Hebrews 4, which is why Hebrews 4 starts, therefore. Okay? Because I've said all those things, and you know all these things, therefore, and then he goes. Right? But if you do turn back a little bit, don't do that, but I mean you can, um, but it's not going to be on the screen. If you do go back a little bit to Hebrews chapter 3, we're reminded there by the author of Hebrews that Israel never entered into God's rest because of their unbelief. They missed out on God's rest, in other words. They, they, they gave up God's promised rest because of their lack of faith, we're told. And now in light of that, the author turns to us and says this, let us fear that the same thing doesn't happen to us. Listen, Israel missed out on God's promise, his lasting rest. And the same thing can happen to you and I. That's what the author is saying here. He's saying, it's a warning, do not miss God's rest just like they did. And while this is a word of caution, we also can't miss that it's a word of hope. Because what this means is that rest is still available, right? Don't miss out on rest, meaning you can have rest. Yes, Israel fell out of God's rest because of unbelief, but that doesn't mean that God was done with giving rest, that, that rest is finished. No, the, the promise of rest has been actually left to us, which is such amazing grace. And what an incredible message this would have been to the Jews who were reading this as well. Um, if you didn't know, the book of Hebrews is written to Hebrew people, okay, Jews. And so this would have been an incredible message to them because let's understand their position and their standing, particularly at this specific time in the first century. They absolutely felt like it was too late for them. They had blown it. And they did, by the way. <laughs> like, let's not forget, they had their Messiah, King Jesus, hung on a cross, so it would be easy, and honestly, it's even rational for them to sit there and think, yeah, we're finished. We're done. God is done with us. After what we did to his son, <laughs> right? The Lord's done. There is no way we can now inherit the promises of God. But now we see here in Hebrews 4 that that couldn't be further from the truth. It's not too late. It's actually never too late, right? Rest does remain. God speaks that over the Hebrew people here. And today, I can actually stand here up on this stage and speak this same message over you, that there is rest remaining for you. It's available to you. It's never too late. Even for a second, for a moment, it's never too late. You come here today, you say, you don't know my story. You don't know all that I've done. 
You don't understand who I am, what I've been through. I've gone too far. I spent years away from the Lord, doing my own thing, living for myself. Wrong. You're wrong. (laughs) You are never too far for God to get to you. Your sin, don't misunderstand me, your sin is great. So is mine. Absolutely. Your sin is horrific. But God's grace is greater. There is perfect rest available today, and it's available to all of us. So the message from the beginning is, don't miss it. Don't miss out on this rest. Well, that brings us to our second point then today is the basis of rest. We know it's available, but what's the basis for it? And we see this in verses 2 through 7. We know what rest is. We know it's available. But now how do we get it? What's the basis for it? Verse 2 says this, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So the author here says, Just like you and I have heard the good news that rest is available. The, The Israelites actually heard this news as well. But then he says, or then it says, There was no benefit of this news to them. Why? He tells us, because it wasn't mixed with faith. In other words, it does no good to hear if you don't believe. That's the point. And let's not forget, we cannot forget, that Israel had heard this message to them from the very beginning. In Exodus chapter 6, The Israelite people heard God say this very specifically. He says to them, believe in me and you'll be blessed. And then he says what? And enter into my rest. (laughs) He literally says that. Believe in me, you will be blessed and enter into my rest. They knew a hundred percent. It was so clear. They knew what was available to them. And at the same time, they knew what they needed to do. But they didn't listen. They didn't have faith. They didn't trust God. They didn't trust his word. And we see this lack of faith most severely, or it's kind of its crux, in Numbers chapter 14. If you don't remember the story, you remember the the Israelites, they've been delivered out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They come to the promised land. It's right there in front of them. It's before them. God had promised them this land. I'm going to make a nation out of you and bless you. Remember, he just parted the Red Sea, right? So what do they do? They see the promised land. But the Bible tells us that in Numbers 14, that they are actually too afraid to enter into the land because they see another people group in there. There's another nation living in the land. And those people look bigger and they look stronger than them. It says, We can't go in there. They're like giants. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. We can't go in there. And so what do they do? They refuse to go in. They turn, literally, looking at the promised land, they turn their backs to the promised land and go the other direction. And therefore, they are left wandering in the wilderness. And that whole generation of people dies there. They miss out on God's rest. They never experience God's promised rest. And to apply that to us, to apply that to us today, 
It simply means that you and I can actually listen to God's word, hear it. We can gather together like this. You can actually even understand the gospel. You can understand the good news about Jesus. But it doesn't mean anything unless you believe it with your heart and your soul. You don't get God's rest by just listening to this news about his rest. You have to believe. You have to have faith. That's the message. And we see that much more clearly at the beginning of verse 3, where it says this, for we who have believed, what? Enter that rest, you see. See that? We who have believed, we enter into God's rest. In other words, we come into salvation by faith. And get this, right? Because some of us don't live as if this is true. It does not say here that we are, we who have believed are entering into rest. It doesn't say that. It also doesn't say that you and I who are in Christ are on our way to rest. No, it says very clear here that we are in rest now. You are in rest if you are in Christ Jesus, if you believe in him. If you belong to Jesus today, you are living in God's rest. That's a fact. A positional reality. You might not see that. You might not be experiencing that. You might not know that, but it's true. Right? Rest is yours if you have faith in Jesus. That's the positive side. And here's the negative. Right? Here's the negative. The author continues. He says, For we who have believed enter that rest. Then he says, As he has said, He's quoting Psalm 95 here, by the way, David. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Again, quoting Psalm 95 here, what's that about? Well, David in Psalm 95, what he's doing actually there is describing Israel in the wilderness. Right? So it makes a really good connection here. And there's a lot that could be said to this point. But the bottom line is this. When you and I are dealing with God's attitude towards those who do not believe in Jesus, you're dealing with a very serious thing. That's the kindest way I can say it. Okay? When you're dealing with God's attitude towards those who don't possess faith in Jesus, you're dealing with a very, very serious thing. The author here says that there is no rest for those who have no faith. Those individuals forfeit rest, in other words, now and forever. It's a fearful thought. It's meant to make us pause and reflect and to have a sense of fear in us. Could that be me? Am I doing that? And notice that little detail there that it says, my rest. Okay? Not the world's rest. Not our definition of rest. It says, my rest. So again, This is God's rest. It's God who's talking. It's my rest, God's own rest. They will not enter my rest. Some will have mine. Others will not have mine. And more to that, we've already talked a little bit about God's rest, but more to that, here's what we know. God's rest began after his creation. Okay? Try to stick with me here, all right? (laughs) Follow me. God's rest began after his creation. So God creates all things, including you and me, right? Mankind. He puts everything together. 
fashions it, and after he does that, we are told that he rests, that God rested. God says, it's done. It's finished, in other words. He, he, he sits back with sort of an awe and wonder, leans back in the lazy boy, if you will, and says, I have made a wonderful thing for mankind to enjoy. And I'm going to allow him, I'm going to allow him to enjoy this place and his relationship with me. God had finished his work and then God rested. And that's exactly what we're told at the end of verse three. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And by the way, that somewhere spoken place is Genesis 2. Okay, we know. But he's just sort of speaking poetically. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day, Genesis chapter 2, in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. See? Now, continue to stay with me. My rest, my rest, right in the middle of verse 3, is defined here at the end of verse 3, defined as when, when God finished his work and rested on the seventh day. That's there. That's the definition of his rest. God rest begins, again, right after he created. And he was in that state infinitely satisfied. And out of that place, out of that posture, he says, Adam, or mankind, right? Eve. You can enter into my rest. Again, I have made a lovely world, a glorious place for you to enjoy and be at rest with me. And there's only one condition for that rest. Just one. And what's always the condition for God's rest? It's here in Hebrews. It was back in Genesis. One word. What is it? Faith. Belief. That's what he told Adam and Eve. You're here with me. It doesn't get any better than this. You're at rest with me. All you have to do is trust me. Just believe. And so what happened? Did Adam and Eve believe God or did they trust themselves? They trust themselves, right? They, they lacked faith and they turned from God. Just like the Israelites did when they were at the foot of the promised land. They lacked faith. They turned from God. That's always been the posture of our hearts. You see the pattern, right? They have unbelief. And because of that unbelief, immediately, immediately, that unbelief forfeited from them what? Rest. Are you following me? Are you following me? And so Adam and Eve went from walking and talking with God in the cool of the day, being at rest, free from fear, free from anxieties to a place of restlessness. They went from this glorious position with God to a place of confusion, to immediately a place of hiding, to a place of shame, to a position of anguish, a place of weariness and burden. God's great rest that he had provided for his creation was lost. And then the rest of the scriptures from that moment on is God's big story of trying to get you and I back into that rest. It's God's redemption plan. This is his redemption story. And it's why Jesus had to come. And it's why he did come. To take care of our sin issue. To repair the consequences of our unbelief. 
so that you and I may now, once again, enter back into God's rest. And what is our role in this? What's our responsibility? Faith. Believe in Jesus. I hear this. You and I achieve rest on the basis of what God the Father has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus took our sins, past, present, and future, so that now, through him, through faith in him, God's rest still continues. God's rest still remains. So that's the first basis for rest. It's just faith. But then there's a second component of this as well, this basis, and that is God's divine decree. Okay, We would be amiss to not talk about this point. Yes, it takes faith, but also it includes God's divine decree. Look at verse 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter into it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. We're going to really hone in on that first part there. Since therefore it remains for some to enter into it. Since therefore it remains, what remains? Rest. That some may enter into rest. So there's the promise again, we're reminded. Rest still remains. Why? Why? Because God always finishes what he starts. Always. And everything that he starts has a purpose. In the beginning, God created rest for us to enjoy. It was part of his plan, part of his perfect purpose. And now we learn here that he is seeing to it that some enter into that rest. It's his will. It will happen by his divine plan and by his word. Some will enter into rest. He has foreordained that. And of course, we know, of course, if we've scanned throughout history of our our world, we know that there has always been a people who have experienced God's rest. Always. There's never been an age where that hasn't been the case. All throughout history, the number might be really small. Sometimes it was. There's just this little remnant in Israel, right, who believed. Like after the, you know, after the... uh, Uh, the Babylonian captivity, all that, just a little group remains. It might be small. Why? Because we know the path of following God is narrow. But there has always been at least a few who have experienced God's rest, right? Even in the darkest seasons of human history, some have believed. Some have believed. Because again, this is God's will. This is God's plan. So in order to understand how we enter rest, right, we must know two things. First of all, It's by personal faith. That's our part. Secondly, it's by divine decree. That's God's part, right? And then finally, there's a third basis to this rest, and we see that there's a necessity for immediate action. Immediate action is also a basis for this rest. Look at verse 7. Again, it says, he appoints a certain day today, saying, through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So what this tells us, kind of wordy there, a little confusing. I I think I can simplify it for you. What this tells us is that there is abundant grace in the reality that you and I are actually offered rest. There's abundant grace for you and I today because rest is available. However, there's a but here. But at the same time, This text also tells us that there is a limit. There is a limit to that grace. That God actually limits the day of grace. 
That's why the Apostle Paul as well said this. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation, right? That's echoed here in Hebrews 4. Right now, right now, today, this Sunday, today, today is God's day. Today, rest is available. Today, salvation is being offered to you. And so the author of Hebrews is saying here, act right now, today. Act immediately, because today doesn't last forever, right? Life ends. You're not promised tomorrow. So this is actually an urgent cry to us. He's saying to us, just what he said in verse 1, don't miss it. Don't miss out on God's rest. Act right now. Believe. Confess. Don't delay. God's gracious rest is available. This is God's plan. But we must act urgently and diligently in faith to receive it. And now... I want us to quickly look at the nature of this rest, the nature of this rest. So we know, we know about this rest, what it is, we've defined it, we've looked at the reality that's available. We've also said that this rest is not primarily physical. I started that way, right? You need to have spiritual rest to experience physical rest. Said that already, but we see that echoed here in verse 8. The author of Hebrews says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. You see, here's what we know. I've already told you what happened in Numbers 14. But we know that Joshua, who takes over for Moses, okay? The Israelites reject the promised land. They go, they wander. But eventually, Joshua did take Israel into the promised land. They turn from their ways momentarily, okay? And they enter into the promised land. And in that decision, as they go into the promised land, they did enter into a a certain level of rest. But, but, that rest was temporary. And it was incomplete. And you know what's interesting? It's interesting. It's probably my favorite text in this whole entire passage, by the way. Because there's this beautiful play on words here. Because if you don't know this, if you don't know the the Hebrew and the Greek, you'll miss it, right? So I'm going to tell you, all right? Because the names Joshua and Jesus are actually identical. Same name. Some of you probably didn't even know that. They're the exact same name in Hebrew. So Jesus, actually his whole family, all his friends, would have called Jesus Joshua. Okay? That's Jesus' name, Joshua. We use the name Jesus because that's his name in Greek. And the New Testament is written in Greek. Okay, so to the world, the world, not Israel, it's, his name is Jesus. To his family, friends, his village, you know, he's Joshua. So get this. What the author here of Hebrews is telling us, he's speaking to Jewish people, by the way, who know the Hebrew, right? So what he's saying to them is, hey guys, you remember that there was this, um, there was this Old Testament Joshua that led the people of God, those who would believe in him, into the promised land, into this place of rest. But you know what? Now God has made it so, so that we too have been led into rest, but offered a greater rest, a better rest, an eternal rest by a greater Joshua, Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. It's beautiful. Which is why verse 9 says, 
So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. See? The people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works. As God did from his. This is spiritual rest. This is the better rest that the author here is talking to us about. And to describe that, actually the author again does this beautiful play on words. He uses a different word for rest here now. It's specifically the word for Sabbath rest. And again, this calls our attention to the reality that true rest is not physical. It is spiritual. And it goes, he's saying, this rest, you've missed it. It goes far beyond observing a day of the week. You can't get rest by resting for a week. You can't get true rest by taking a weekend. That's not where rest is found. It's far better. There's a far better rest than the weekend. There's a far better rest than your summer. It goes far beyond even entering into the physical promised land that God gave to Israel as a gift. This Sabbath rest, he says, it is for your soul. It is full. It is complete. It is satisfying to to the max. And it is final. It's the rest that Jesus promised when he said to us in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And here it is. And if you do that, if you come to me, if you cast your burdens on me, if you trust me, if you place your faith in me, then you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, not the egg, okay? It's not an egg yoke. He's talking about the oxen, the wooden oxen yoke that you would attach yourself to, right? For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is the rest that remains for the people of God. And then the author of Hebrews explains that the one who has entered this rest has himself also rested from his works just as God did from his. What is he saying there? Well, what what it's telling us is that the nature of this rest is not just a present reality, something that you and I should experience here now, but the nature of this rest is also a future reality. It's saying that there is a rest now, but there's also a rest coming, and it's coming soon, by the way when we will actually, literally, cease from all of our work. In Revelation 14, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 14, verse 13, it says there, blessed, get this, all right, this is, wow, right? Jesus, (laughs) Jesus speaking to John, the apostle, he says, write this down. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit. You have two witnesses, right? We talked about this in John. Two witnesses testifying that this is the truth. Jesus speaks it. The Holy Spirit speaks this over to us. You are blessed if you die. (laughs) You are blessed if you believe in Jesus and die. Why? That they may what? Rest from their labors. See, 
we can experience a great level of rest here and now on this earth if we are in Christ. You can. We can really have peace. Some of you need to know that. Our hearts can be still before the Lord right now. We can be anxious for nothing. We can be anxious for nothing. I have to declare that over some of you. You can be anxious for nothing. It's a possible present reality. But what is to come is even beyond all of that. It's far beyond your present state. Because one day, on the final day, we will cease from everything. All our efforts, all our striving, just like when God created all things. And we will fully enter into the presence of Jesus. We will be with him. And together with our Lord, we will experience his rest. And what could be better than that? So we see the nature of this rest is both present and future here. And then I'll close today very, very briefly with just a word on the urgency of this rest. And I spoke about the necessary immediate action that need, is needed, but I want to reiterate this because the author does as well. We start with a warning. Don't miss this rest. The people of God turned their, their backs from rest before. Don't turn your backs away from rest. And then he kind of closes this thought with a warning as well. And so it's a warning that I want you to hear well. It's a warning for the people of God. Verse 11. Let us therefore, because rest is available, because of what it takes to enter into rest, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The author says, in light of everything that we know about rest, let us strive to enter into it. That word strive there is the key, and it's not a, not a perfect translation, actually, that word strive, because when we think of strive, we think like our self-effort and work. That's not necessarily what it's saying. This here means to make haste, um, to give diligence to something. Give diligence to this. Make haste urgently. Go about this. The, the idea here being that we would, you and I should, with intense, intense purpose, with a focused concern, seek the Lord. Eyes fixated on him. Nothing else. In case we miss it. That's the message. And again, this is not about working our way to God. It's not about striving for our salvation. That's so clear in the scriptures. But what we are doing is seeking actively to live our lives by faith. Seeking to live our lives for less of me and more for Jesus. And the warning follows, we do this so that no one may fall into the same sort of disobedience. So here's the reminder again. The Israelites had heard the good news, but chose to go their own way. Adam and Eve did that. The Israelite people did that. You and I tend to do that. And because of that choice, the Israelite people did not experience God's rest. And so, for us today, what's the message? Well, it's to take this passage of Scripture and this warning very seriously. The message for us today is, this is not something that you play around with. The message today is that this is not something that you have the luxury of putting off. I'll get to that whole thing later. 
I'm going to live my life how I want to live it first. That's not the message here. It's a warning to you. You don't put this off. This is something that you move into urgently, or you might miss out on God's salvation and his rest. The message is to believe while rest is still available. So as we close today, here's the good news. It's really good news. God has this place, this place of rest, where there is no more self-effort. There's no more trying to please God by our works. It's a place of peaceful conscience, knowing that we are right with God. God has this place, a place of rest, where again, it is possible to be anxious for nothing, to be free from whatever creates worry in your mind, a place where you can be quiet and still with him. It's a place where there is no guilt. It's a place where there is no shame over sin. There is only perfect peace. God has this place. Of, of true and lasting rest, where, where you and I can know that he loves you, that, that he cares for you, and he is leading you to a, a life of flourishing. Again, God's rest is better and more fulfilling than your morning coffee. <laughs> it, it, it satisfies more than your, your best night's sleep, and it is infinitely better than your summer vacation that is here today. But sadly, we'll be gone tomorrow. You'll be back here very soon. <laughs> it doesn't last. God has this place of rest for us. That's good news. But you know what's even better news? He has actually invited you and I into that rest. He desires you to experience his rest. He longs today to give you rest. He doesn't want to see you tired and weary anymore. So today, if you find yourself tired, if you find yourself weary, lost, hopeless, helpless, maybe you're here today and, and you've been struggling through life, striving, striving to find a sense of hope, striving to... to to find a sense of peace, the message today is simple. Stop trusting yourself. Stop looking to others and stop looking at your situation and your circumstances to give you what you need. Instead, look to him. The one who came from heaven, who showed us how to live a perfect life, which included a life of perfect rest while he was here on the earth. Look to the one who went to the cross, who died in our place, who said on the cross, his last words, it is finished, so that you and I no longer have to work or worry about our place before God. It's finished. Today, if you want rest, if you want true rest, all you need to do is put your faith in Jesus, put your hope in his finished work, and then sit back, be still, and know that he is God. Rest, real rest, is possible today. That's a promise. The message, don't miss it. Let me pray for you.